thank you for your presence today. We've all experienced times when what we say or what someone else says to us is misinterpreted. That's human nature. Not so with our sovereign God. He made us and he knows us intricately. Therefore, he knows just how to communicate his will to each of us. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, we clearly hear and understand God's instructions. How we respond is up to us. The outcome of our response to God's instructions is up to Him. Listen closely with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all got things in our past we wish we had not done. It is a human reality. It's human reality. Therefore, accept the things you cannot change. Accept it. Then repent of it, whatever it was, or whatever it is, or was, I hope it was by now. Repent and give it to Jesus. If, if you're sinning now, repent and stop. It's not too late to stop. You say, well, I looked at that woman, I already said I did lust in my heart. I might as well as go and mess with her. No, no. Don't mess with that woman. Once, one, you know, you've already committed one sin by looking. Don't compound the problem with two sins. That's a double divine chastening. You look and you shouldn't have been looking and staring. Repent. Oh God, I glanced too long. I looked too long. And sometimes you're starting to look is in your mind. You thought about it. If you think about it a second too long, you already need to repent and plead the blood of Jesus over it. You know what that thought is? It was a no good, damnable thought. And let me tell you something. Satan don't care where you are. You can be in church and Satan can just put that thought in your mind and your wife or husband don't even know it. He's a low down, dirty devil. He'll do anything to keep you from worshiping. Therefore, accept the things you cannot change. Repent, give your past to Jesus and move forward with the plan and purpose that our Lord has for you. And by the way, Satan's going to always be around, even though you let go of those things and you've, you've asked for forgiveness, you've confessed those things in the past and you want new beginnings. Satan is always hanging around. Say, remember what you did back there in 1992, uh, back in that hotel or back under that, uh, in the dark around the corner, you know, in that no good place. I got news for you. You need to write this down. When Satan remind you of your past. You remind that devil of his future, which is the lake of fire. It's the lake of fire. He's doomed, damn, done. He just wants as many people to go to hell with him. His future is already settled. It's already fixed. Look, Satan cannot change his destiny. He can't change his. You can do what Satan can't do. Remind that when every time that devil tried to remind you of your past, past uh, whatever that sin was, you remind, oh, get behind me, Satan. That's not who I am. Now, oh, no, what I am. And there's some people that are trying to remind you as if they haven't sinned. Tell them, shut up. I don't want to hear it. If it's not redemptive, it's not going to edify me. Don't remind me, even though you know, shut your mouth. I don't want to hear it. I'm a child of the king. I'm washed with the blood of Jesus, and I don't need you reminding me. Check your own soul out. Get that log out of your own eye. Making a fresh start. E. Dream big.
and refuse to be small minded. Ephesians 3.30 says, now to him who is able. I tell you, God is able to help you dream big. To do exceedingly abundantly above. Look at those three words. I wish I had time to break those down. Exceedingly abundantly above. God can do all that for you. All that we can ask. God is able to do more than what you ask him. You settle for so little. He can do more than what you ask. He can do more than what you think. According to the power that works in us. The Holy Spirit is God in you. And he can do incredible, supernatural, wondrous things through you. You have to believe Christ by faith that he can do great things through you. Let me tell you something. Small-minded people get very little done for God. Because it diminishes what he desires to do through them. Small-minded people get very little done for God because it diminishes what our Lord desires to do through them. If do not let anyone, do not let anyone, do not let anyone tell you what you cannot do. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Making a fresh start means that you must ignore the naysayers, ignore the critics, ignore the skeptics, and believe that God can do great things through you. There's always somebody hanging back in the wings saying to you, you never done that before. You know you don't have. What are you going? How are you going to do that? How are you going to pay for that? You think you can do you, you? Nobody's done that before in your family. You don't have a you don't have a degree. You don't you're not able to do that. You, 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 it's enough problems in your life without trying to tackle that too. They talk you out of what God has put on your heart. Oh God, refuse to allow the dream killers to steal your dream. I call them dream killers. They won't even let you dream. Sometimes it's a husband. Sometimes it's a wife. Sometimes it's children. Sometimes it's a relative. There will always be someone in your life telling you what you can't do. But here's a scripture. Luke 18, 27 says, but Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You need to write that down and you need to memorize it. But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. A G, sometimes you have to sift certain people out of your life to do what God is calling you to do. Now, don't y'all all go out there and divorce your wives and husbands. I'm not talking about them. You know, you pray on them till God changes. If they're not beating you up and abusing you and knocking one tooth out at a time, you know, God can change them too. It's, it's, they're not too hard for God. But, but, but they're, somebody said, oh, I just got my release. Pastor just released me from. Sometimes you have to sift certain people out of your life to do what God is calling you to do. First Corinthians 15, 33 says, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. I like Proverbs 14, seven, which also says, stay away from fools. You can't dream big hanging around fools. A fool is crazy. 
You can't reason with a fool. You can't talk to a fool. Don't you raise your voice at a fool. Don't you honk your horn at a fool. They are crazy. Stay away from fools for you won't find knowledge there. Wow. Spend more time around people. If you want to get somewhere in life, spend more time around people who can strengthen you. Spend time around people who will edify you. Spend time around people who will encourage you. Spend time around people who will be your best cheerleader. Spend time around people who will inspire you. Will assist you even in helping you to make a fresh start. You you can't do great things with a small vision. Some of y'all are just so tiny. Just tiny, tiny, tiny. Small as a peanut. And then you get 60 years old, you're depressed because you didn't accomplish nothing. Your friends are all going on with their lives, moving on with their life. You're still sitting there in a, in a rut, complaining about this, and complaining about that, complaining about you're sick, complaining about you don't have much money, complaining. Listen, God knows how to give you money right on time. How, how many of you had God give you some money? Let me see your hand. Come on. Let's give God a hand clap of praise if God gave you some money. How many, how many of you, God, God gave you some money? God, now money is not bad. You need money, you know. Just don't live for it and don't covet it. But you don't act like you don't need money. There's no, it's no re- redemptive value in being perpetually broke. Ooh, I'm spiritual. I'm broke. <laughs> oh, God. H, do not be afraid to start over. You'd be surprised how much, how, how much fear plays a part in prohibiting people from starting over. Jonah chapter 2 verse 10 and Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, So the Lord spoke to the fish. See, now God didn't just talk to Jonah. God talked to a fish. And the fish understood him. But the fish understood God. So the Lord spoke to the fish. I wonder how many of you went fishing and you talked to the fish. Fish, get on this line. <laughs> you so the Lord spoke to the fish and it whoop, vomited Jonah unto dry land. Ooh, Jonah was stinky. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, God had to whoop him up. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. When Jonah was given a fresh start, he did not fear going to people who were ruthless, merciless, and cruel. He risked his life to do what God called him to do without hesitation or reservation, coming out of the belly of the fish. How many opportunities in your life have you missed Because of the fear of unknown. You won't even try. And so your life stays in a rut because you won't even try. I'm amazed. I am amazed how foreigners, people can come from China and Africa and Japan and Korea, come here with literally nothing. They scrape and then they, they do whatever it takes and they live together and they just eat bologna sandwiches and, 
they, they sweat it out and rough it out. And then all of a sudden you find them owning five and six Chinese restaurants, own, owning all the hair places and own, all the pedicure and, and, and manicure, the manny and the petty places. And you still say, ha, ha, they, they keeping me down. They keep me back. I'm the white man, the black man. Nobody keeping you back but you. Nobody keeping you back. Nobody, stop blaming folk. Stop calling everybody a racist because cause you, you didn't get anywhere. Those folk come thousands of miles. Come over here and I'll do you and you've been here. Mouth all poked out and whining because you broke. Ooh, did I just say that? <laughs> How many opportunities in life have you missed because of fear of the unknown? After Jonah had done all his rebelling and running from God, some of y'all running from God right now. You're going to hear this message and we're going to extend the invitation and you're going to walk out here with your little nose cocked up and walk right out here knowing you're not right with God. And God's going to get you. Shamu going to be waiting on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After Jonah had done all his rebelling and running from God, the Lord put him in the position where he had to start over. Now, some saints are actually afraid to start over. Uh, let, let me give you some examples. They, they ask themselves, they talk themselves out of their blessing. Here's what they say. What if I fail? They say, I have never done this before. They say, I'm not capable or good enough. They tell themselves, other people are more qualified than me. They tell themselves, I do not have the resources or skills to succeed. My friends refuse to allow excuses to keep you from starting over and making changes when they are warranted. Do not think for a moment that when that great fish vomited Jonah out, he landed at his destination. He still had a long way to go. The distance from Joppa to Nineveh was approximately 500 miles and perhaps he, Jonah made every step by foot. Look at verses three and four. I'm almost done. Verse three and four. Jonah preaches to Nineveh. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Can you imagine? Come on here. Can you imagine Jonah perhaps still with the smell of starkish tuna on him? And his body bleached from fish fat. Walking by foot for three days. I wonder what was Jonah thinking? Perhaps he was thankful that he survived three days and three nights inside a great fish and still lived to do what God instructed him to do in the first place. Maybe he was thankful. In this passage, Jonah does not have the luxury 
as a preacher that some pastors, not me, and that's it, that some pastors enjoy as they preach today. Jonah did not have a, a chauffeur car. He did not have a helicopter taking him to his preaching engagement. Now, this, this stepping on my foot, Jonah did not have a microphone. Some of y'all touched the mic and beat on the mic, and then that bike ain't working. What's wrong with your mouth? Speak out. Oh, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I can remember back there in Greenwood, Louisiana. I sit on my ain't lit port, and I was about 10, 11, 12 years old. And I would hear voices. I say, ain't lit. Where are those voices coming from? She said, baby, they're coming from Greenwood Baptist Church, number one, about five miles away. They didn't have microphones. They didn't have air condition. They just opened up their mouths and saying, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And the preacher would preach the word. And through the piney trees, the wind would carry the word of God. And I could even hear it on my ain't-lit porch without a microphone. Today, mic check, mic check. Mic on. Mic, mic, mic. Testing, testing, testing. Now, if you're going to do all that, I'd like for you to do it before the service starts. Don't run with testing. Don't don't y'all stop now. Please, y'all keep testing that around here. But I... but. But I'm just saying, no microphones. Jonah didn't have a microphone. Didn't have a helicopter. Didn't have a chauffeur car. His assignment was outdoors and not in an air-conditioned building. Some preachers can only preach indoors. You tell them to go on the streets, they say, what's a street? Jonah didn't have an air-conditioned building. Listen, Jonah didn't even have an audience listening like you are sitting on cushy seats. He did not have armor bearers surrounding him to protect and minister to his every knee, wiping sweat off his brow. Jonah preached without the convenient amenities of today. Verse 3 says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great, a three days journey in extent. Nineveh was not a small town. It was a great metropolitan city with a circumference of about 60 miles, which required Jonah to travel three days just to get through the city. Notice in verse four, Jonah begins to cry out and preach to that wicked Ninevite city for 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Even though Jonah may have been afraid for his life amidst the bloodthirsty Assyrians who were known to be the cruelest and most terrifying people imaginable. He still preached a message that was poignant, riveting and cut to the chase with no respect of persons. He just preached. He had just been been in Shamu. Jonah preached. That in 40 days, Nineveh would be overthrown and destroyed in 40 days. Let us have a three-day Bible conference and you can't find people. Let us say, come on Wednesday night for an hour and a half and you can't find people. 40 days? 40 days? And you know what? He didn't even change his message. Oh, he, he must then study. He preached the same message. 40 days. 
Nineveh would be overthrown and destroyed, which caught the attention of everyone and spread like wildfire throughout the city. Not only did God want Jonah to preach a message of judgment, but he wanted to give the Ninevites a way out of judgment through repentance. In closing, unlike today, Jonah did not preach a a compromising gospel. Jonah did not preach a gospel of prosperity. He did not preach a motivational gospel, a soft gospel that does not offend, a politically correct gospel, a social gospel, a progressive gospel, a 15-minute sermonette that is so short that transformation cannot occur in the lives of people. Do you not know? Listen to this. Do you not know there are movies and sporting events that, uh, that last longer than most sermons today? This was not so with Jonah. He passionately preached a message of truth, repentance, and judgment for 40 days. 40 days. What if I'm going to preach the same message in here every Sunday for for the next 52 Sundays? I'm not coming. I know that. Whereas the message of many preachers today do not address the virgin birth. In sermons today, you can't find the word repentance. You can't find the word sin. You can't find the word the blood of Christ. You can't find the words of the cross of Christ. In the message, it's not the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the burial of Christ, the imminent return of Christ. There's nothing mentioned about hell or heaven, just to name a few. With all the sin that is so pervasive in our society, we need preachers who preach sound biblical doctrine that transform lives. Beloved, like Jonah, the Lord desires to reach people through you. You say, I, I'm not a preacher. You're a witness. But the question is, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Are you ready to be a witness to tell those you encounter in your family? There are lost folk in your family. There's lost folk in the community. Co-workers day, there are lost folk on your job. Supervisors are lost. Co-workers are lost. Custodians are lost. All around you on your job, in the workplace. Tell them about the good news. Who is sufficient to save your soul when you share the gospel and when you live the gospel and when you position yourself to hear the gospel like you're listening now. The word of God will lift your burdens The word of God will remove your fear in light of all of these mass shootings, all all the things that's happening, the turmoil. The word of God will lessen the fear, remove the worry. The word of God will lift depression. It will remove suicidal tendencies if you stay in church long enough for the word of God to work on you. Some of you are in deep emotional pain and so much more. I close with Matthew 11, 28, which says, then Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. You who are hurting, you who have been divorced, thinking your marriage was going to be till death do you part. Come to me, you who are sick and have terminal illnesses. Come to me, those of you, and even me. I lost my father, went home to be with the Lord just a few months ago. And others of you have, have had loved ones, mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and cousins. And on and on it goes. 
Jesus says, come to me. I'm, I'm the resurrection and the life. All you who are weary, some of you are just tired and worn out. You're on the last leg, but this message is renewing your hope and a heavy burden. Some of you are weighed down with burdens. When you look at your family and when you look at the condition of your children and even your grandchildren, it causes your heart to ache. And he says, if you come to me and if you listen to me and if you trust me and if you let me talk to you and if you walk with me, I will give you rest. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of hurt and pain and despondency, in the, in, in the midst of major decisions and crises that we don't even know about you. He says, in the midst of all of this, I will give you a mysterious inner rest that you can't even explain. And all God's children said, Amen. let's pray. And Father, we thank you for the message. It's much said, much needed. So many of us needed to hear this message. Father, I'm talking to people today who are tired, who are hurt. Father, I preach today to people who are sick. Some are in trouble. Some don't have money to pay bills. Lord, help those who are grieving. Help those who see their children and their heart breaks. Perhaps even the grandchildren. Some under my voice right now, Lord, as they reflect on the message, they're in a circumstance right now that they never thought they would be in. They are in a very, very hard place, and you brought them here. There's hope in your word. I pray that they will respond, get up, come to Jesus, and be set free. Greatest travesty for, is for you to come so close and not get what you came for. What is truth if truth is not received? I pray, Father, that none would stay in that chair, but rise up and not run from God, but run to God, who is our only blessed hope. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said. When we disobey God, we set the stage for our impending destruction. God is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We must obey God and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And where does our help come? It comes from who made heaven and earth. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.